0141-951-1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Christopher Iyer says he wants to leave Celtic this summer Callum McGregor says the Scotland squad won't be getting carried away after drawing with the Netherlands and Philip Hellander says he's more than happy at Rangers despite Premier League links I'm Andrew McLean joining me in the studio tonight is Jim Duffy Yeah, pleasure to be here Andrew You know, I think it's uh, not a surprise that Christopher Iyer has come out publicly for the first time really and uh, stated that uh, you know he's, he's maybe looking to move on to, to bigger uh, things in his eyes Anyway, and I think he said the top five leagues. So I'm pretty sure if he's come out with that statement, that his agent's been busy contacting a few clubs around Europe. And, uh, you know, as far as Scotland is concerned, a terrific performance against Holland the other night there. And, uh, you know, a great deal of optimism leading into the next friendly against Luxembourg at the weekend. It's now also 100 days Celtic have gone without a manager. Neil Lennon leaving on the 24th of February. They're obviously seeking that UEFA exemption as they aim to appoint Ange Postacoglu. And a few key players saying their goodbyes to Kilmarnock today as well. The likes of Kyle Lafferty and Kirk Broadfoot. So much to get through tonight. So make sure to give us a call. 0141 951 1025. But we will start with that news coming out of the Norwegian camp today. Christopher Eyer has told media over there that he wants to leave Celtic this summer. The defender has one year left on his contract and thinks now is the right time to move on. I'll read some of the quotes from him today. He says, I was promised I could leave last summer, but we then agreed I would stay to help the club try and win 10 in a row. That was important to the club, but unfortunately we didn't succeed. Now I'm expecting the club to keep its word. He went on to say, there's not a set fee agreed, but I expect them to find a solution. Um, I don't think it's maybe going to come as too much of a surprise Mm. to Celtic fans. I think they were maybe expecting that he would leave this summer given his contract Mm. situation, but... Still not what they would want to hear. No, of course not. I mean, uh, particularly in the back of the, you know, the fact that they haven't appointed a manager yet, and any new manager comes in, the first thing he's got, he's got faced with is, you know, he's lo- losing one of his star players, one of the most consistent players, and a very valuable asset to Celtic over the last few seasons. But from a business point of view, as you said, he only has one year left. Um, Celtic don't um, cash in just now and come January they're losing for nothing really you can say in a pre-contract so it's um, a difficult situation for everyone at Celtic but I think the best solution is that they try and, and uh, capitalise on his fee and get as much as they possibly can and give that to the new manager and allow him to, to build his own team I mean he's going to be a, a big player to replace as well mm. because he's been a key part of that Celtic defence obviously in the in the seasons before last mm. season when they were winning trophies and probably last season he, he's maybe one of only two or three players that you could say would be given pass marks for the season. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Andrew. I mean, I think he's 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 a listen. He's, he's been a terrific player. Um, you know, obviously went on loan to Kilmarnock and he, he was playing in midfield and eventually, um, you know, I think most people saw him as a, as a centre back eventually. But uh, you know, I think he's 23 years of age. So as a as in that in that area of the pitch, I mean, he's got plenty ahead of him. And I can understand from the player's point of view, he's ambitious and it's it's we can only go by what the player said if he's already said that listen he did want to go but he decided to stay then fair enough if that's the case then I'm sure the club will acknowledge that um, but nevertheless as I said he is worth a considerable sum of money and it's whether um, there's a potential suitor out there prepared to pay that particularly we know that there's there's not a lot of money about just now we're not seeing you know the normal business getting done anywhere really in Europe other than the odd exceptional player Harry Kane for instance might well um, dominate the transfer market if he goes but other than that uh, everyone's uh, keeping their wallets a wee bit tighter this year Yeah I mean Celtic really did seem to take a bit of a gamble 
last summer You look at the likes of Christopher Ryer, Odson Edward, Ryan Christie Guys who were key players who it looked as if they, they couldn't sign on new deals And really had to make a decision Do we sell them now or do we try and keep them for What could potentially be a historic season To try and help us get 10 in a row They made the decision to keep them Christopher Ryer saying that you know he, he was sort of convinced by Celtic That he should stay for another year Obviously the gamble didn't pay off as they didn't get it But I mean in, in terms of financially It's not worked out as a as a great gamble Because with a year left on a contract They're likely to get significantly less money Than they would have done last summer For yeah, both um, those players yeah, or all three get, of those players Yeah if, you, if you've got two or three years left in your contract Obviously that um, you know puts Celtic in a much stronger bargaining power In terms of um, the revenue they can ask for But uh, with, uh, with one year to go as I mentioned um, You know that definitely affects um, his price But nevertheless he is still worth As I said uh, you know uh, a good fee And I think that there will be you know clubs out there Willing to pay um, a good amount for him But whether that's, that's um, enough for Celtic but it is a difficult one because he's made his, he's put his case now for moving. So once a player does that, um, then I think you've got to try and find a solution that suits all parties. Um, yeah, there are probably other players. Obviously, Ryan Christie's away with um, Scotland just now. Um, that, that, as I say, the Odson Edward. Uh, there, there may well be other players. I say that you know whoever the, the new manager, uh, if and when he comes in, is going to have a, a complete rebuilding job to do. Really, but if he's got a good uh, war chest to work from, then at least it gives him a better chance of trying to close that gap on on Rangers. Which let's let's be like frank here. 25 points I think it ended up at the end yeah, of the season uh-huh. so that is a, a big gap to close if you've got any thoughts on this give us a call on 01419511025 or you can send us a tweet at Clyde SSB Jim you talk about the sort of rebuild job you, you look at it defensively from a Celtic perspective if Christopher Ayer leaves in the centre of defence you've really only got Christopher Julian left who's coming back from injury Stephen Welsh and we don't really know what the situation is with Jack Hendry yet. It looks as if that will be resolved after the Euros. And then in the fullback positions, there's Greg Taylor, there's Anthony Ralston and Volleyball and Golly's coming back from loan. Similar with Hendry, we're not sure what's going to happen with him. But that is a that is a big area that's really going to need rebuilt. Yeah, it's a whole unit. I mean, before you used to have Mikael Lustig and, you know, guys that, you know, were pretty much nailed on to play and uh, as you mentioned centre-backs uh, you know w- w- were strong they had plenty of options but that's not the case as well as goalkeepers everybody knows so yeah you have to that is a, there's going to be a huge department there to, to, to try and strengthen um, try and get players in and obviously one or two players coming back who probably won't want to be there and, and, and they'll try and move them out again and it's really quite a strange situation with Jack Henry because normally if someone says look there's a player playing in Europe you know, getting really good reviews and performance levels getting highly rated, playing for the national side, you think, oh, he'd actually be a good signing. So it'll be interesting to see what Celtic and, as I said, the new manager's thoughts are on that one. You would think it would be sensible to bring him back to Celtic and then put him in and see how he does, see if he's gained that confidence from, from playing. I mean, his goal the other night there, his performances, um, Steve Clark certainly seems to think he's a um, he's an important part of the Scotland setup. So, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one just to see how his future actually goes on because, what, a year or 18 months ago, you thought he was, he was done and dusty at Celtic, but I don't think that'll be the case now. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been reports about Jack Hendry that potentially mm. there was a, a sort of fee agreed at, at the start of the loan spell that meant if Ustenda liked him that they could trigger that. Mm. So that may well be the case and he may well be, be tied up there next season. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, we don't know the contractual arrangement, but uh, 
Listen, the bottom line is he's Celtic's player. He's contracted to Celtic. He's currently on loan, so I'm pretty sure that um, you know if if Celtic, you know, really really put their foot down and said, listen, you're not going anywhere. You know, regardless, of, you know how you've done. Now whether Jack Henry would be happy with that is another matter, but. I'm I'm pretty sure Celtic will hold the aces on that one if they decide that he is a player who would be important to the new uh, the new regime. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get involved tonight, Charlie in Canvas Lang is up first. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Uh, good evening, lads. How are we this evening? Good, Charlie. yeah, not too bad, thanks. Good, good. Listen, I love your show. I listen to it every day. But you know what's really frustrating me this last wee while? Listening to the Celtic Rangers fans ringing in about. You know, Celtic and Rangers, some of the Celtic fans aren't happy with the situation with managers, so on and so forth. I'm a big uh, football fan, but I love my Man United, love English football. The point is tonight, I feel that Scottish football has been like a super league for Celtic and Rangers for as long as I've known it, because only two clubs ever seem to do well, only two clubs ever seem to want it. Well, actually, only ever won it. And the point is, why is Sky and BT Sports wasting money on it? It's not a good enough league to be televised. And there's too much trouble from just two teams and a two-league team. That's that's my point this evening. Why is there not enough, not more money for the other clubs so they can sort of take part and try and win something rather than well, Charlie, the way it is? F- first thing is that Sky is a business, and uh, if you put um, old foreign matches on. Uh, I think that their viewing figures will be every bit as high as just about any other match uh, in England, including your team, Manchester United. Um, but I think that uh, also, you know, in, in England, the, the amount of millions and tens of millions, there's still only not even a handful of clubs. You take the exception of Leicester City out the blue in 2016. But uh, other than that, generally speaking, people always refer to the big six. They always refer to it. You hear it saying all the time. So by head of population, by the amount of teams that are in there, by the amount of money it's in, it's not really that competitive if you actually think about it. There's, there's only probably three or four teams that will actually win the league. Uh, I don't even think Tottenham or Arsenal are probably part of that big six now. So, you know, you're talking Man City, Liverpool, Manchester United. Pretty much. Chelsea probably. So you've got four out of that group. It's not a huge amount of competition if you actually just wanted to think who was going to win the league. And football is more about that. It's about communities. It's about development of players. Um, you know, there's players that start, their managers start. Your, your greatest manager, uh, and, um, Sir Alec Ferguson, uh, was hugely successful at Aberdeen. So, you know, if you don't get these opportunities um, to, to give to players, to give to managers, then what, what do you do? You, you have a, a two-team league or a four-team league. Um, so, no, I, I totally disagree with the fact that uh, it's a super league. It's a, it's a difficult league to win because, again, if you actually looked at the finances, Scotland get a pittance in comparison to the amount of money that's put in English. If the, if the money was maybe spread out a little bit more, maybe more Scottish teams could invest better and have a bigger competition if there was more money in the game. Charlie? I, I, totally, I totally take on your points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely agree with you saying about the right top six in England. But at least there's one thing as a standard of football. Is, is far superior. I'm not saying that with an eye. I mean, as I said, I love football. Rangers has done phenomenal this season. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, Celtic were shocking. We, we cannot take it away, the fact that Celtic were so bad that Rangers were able to win the league for the fact that the other club was so poor. All I would love is to see more, like, I would love to see somebody coming in, the likes of an Abramovich coming in and investing millions into the likes of an Aberdeen. And, you know, to be able to bring them out of nowhere, it would be just phenomenal to see and do you know what? It's really what Scotland needs. A shock. We would love a shock. A bit like Leicester City or even Liverpool because that was a shock as well. Liverpool, they shouldn't have won that. But 
Uh, I think it would be nice to see somebody outside the old firm won that league title for a change. I'd love it. Yeah, well, St Johnson won the double in terms of the cups. Won uh, you know the league cup and the, the, the Scottish Cup. Uh, uh, so that that itself was a was a, a shock and fantastic for football. And so that shows you that it's not guaranteed for either of these teams that you mentioned to win all the time. Yeah, I mean Celtic had a poor season last year, but for nine seasons below that, and in the four seasons in particular, they won trebles back to back. So listen, I, I think you, you you know you're selecting a, a little situation, but uh, if there was the, the, the tens of millions that would plough into the English football um, and, and even a fraction of that into Scottish football it would improve dramatically and I also have to say that listen there's many many games including in the Premiership in England that are poor poor standard poor games particularly for the, 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 the amount of money that's, that is spent there so I don't always think you get value for money but Listen, everybody knows the Premiership is the most watched league. We understand that. Uh, and it does still, still fit some fantastic players. But it's not quite maybe um, the, you know, the, the, the brightest league all of the time. There are, there are plenty of games which uh, that, that are not, not always as pleasing on the eye. Yeah, I mean, Charlie's saying that, you know, why doesn't a sugar daddy just mm. come in and take over one of these clubs and throw millions at it? Mm. I'm sure there's fans of many clubs across mm. Scotland that would love if that happened to their club. But the world we live in doesn't mean that, you know, People have that money for a reason. They make smart financial decisions, and quite clearly, they don't feel that that is a viable option for them. Yeah, because I mean, straight away, the the investment, as you said, that from um, you know the the the, the broadcasting companies is, is in the hundreds of millions to those teams. So any investment is is offset in part by you know the the guaranteed income that's going to come in anyway, and obviously the crowds as well, and and, and uh, you know the the the, the fact is that, that that certainly helps, but. Listen, any clubs, Rangers have won the league comprehensively um, this this season, but their directors are come out and say, listen, they want they want to be self sustainable by you know the next the next year or two. So it's you know it's not Scottish clubs don't have the luxury of these type of um, investors, whether it's from you know the the Middle East or, or from Russia or whatever it happens to be. Um, so every every um, success in Scotland. I think has to be really applauded because I think it's much more difficult when you don't have the money that uh, is thrown about down south. Well, thank you to Charlie 01419511025 if you want to get in touch. Let's hear from former SFA Chief Exec Stuart Reagan, shall we? He's now a consultant at UEFA and here he is talking about the process Celtic and Ange Postacoglu will have to go through as they seek an exemption for him to take over at the club. The club and the Scottish Football Association have to apply to UEFA for what's called um, a certificate of recognition, um, uh, which is like a, a competence certificate to say that the experience he has and the qualifications he has um, will allow him the, the kind of recognition he needs to coach in, in Scotland. So the process is an application to what's called UEFA's JIRA panel, which is a, a panel of um, technical uh, experts from across Europe. They will consider his, his experience. Um, it, they look for five years experience at the highest level of the game, so coaching at a club level in the highest division for five years or of a national team. And then they will award this um, uh, certificate of competence, certificate of recognition, and, and that will last for 
for a period of around three years if successful and then it can be um, rolled over for a further period if um, the coach undertakes more continuous development within within Europe to the uh, the European standard so you know there's a number of steps a number of hurdles that that have to be overcome but um, you know I think uh, the process will be well underway if indeed the uh, the club are keen to to have him coaching at the top level I mean Stuart Regan's trying to simplify it mm. for us there it certainly doesn't sound overly simple Celtic and Celtic supporters will be hoping that they can get this done and dusted as quickly as possible yeah, I mean, I have to be honest with you, Andrew. I do think it is relatively simple, basically. It's just um, being ratified that he's, he's a competent coach and, you know, he has been a national manager. He has managed it in his own country at the top level. So you would think that that would be, you know, um, you know, pretty straightforward in terms of, um, you know, giving him giving the licence to, to, to go and, and, and manage Celtic. But in the, in the interim, then there's no doubt if he accepts that with that caveat that that, that has to come through, then they can start putting you know um, you know the process of of you know getting pre-season organised, getting players recruitment, all these sort of things, um, a, a director of football or, or whatever other departments are going, they can they can certainly start that and, and have conversations with the manager. The manager can come in. And he, not not quite gap, but garden leave in reverse, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> he's he's coming here, and he can sit there in the background and wait till that's ratified. But nevertheless, still be, uh, you know, a major part on you know getting everything up and running. Um, because Celtic will need to do that quickly because it's only a few weeks before pre-season starts. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. We want to hear from you. William is next up in North Ayrshire. William, what are you thinking tonight? Yeah, hello Jim and hello Andrew. I just want to respond to that. Uh, what was he, a Man United fan, Celtic fan? I don't know what he was. But what's he going on about? Jim made a great point about the, the money. Sky should distribute the money to all the clubs in Britain, the way the, way the power. Because, see, England, I don't watch English football. You know what I mean? But see, see the Angels, he's pointing about the Angels. Rangers won that league. It doesn't matter if City says Celtic was poor. Rangers won that league. They didn't get beat. They didn't get beat in one league game. They won it. Forget about Celtic being poor. Rangers won it 100%. No, I don't think there's any dispute in that, William. I mean, we said, you know, several times even tonight, you know, the Rangers won it very comprehensively and deservedly so. But also, as I said to you, the, the biggest thing that, you know, the difference or the argument I would have with, with Charlie is, is the viewing figures. If you put Rangers on TV or Celtic on TV, if they play each other, it's, it's, it's a whole different ball game. But even just playing. Uh, uh, on their own against whatever opposition, then the viewing figures are are, are, are huge in comparison to our uh, to to our public, you know the the figures in, in Scotland for everything else, you know, in, in terms of the public, in terms of um, you know how how we promote the game here, and I, I I don't think it's fair in terms of the revenue. That's me personally, but obviously we're in a situation where we can't actually play hardball when it comes to these kind of negotiations. We almost have to accept what we're given. Um, but I don't. I, I I do think there's a disparity between, um, you know, if if you actually just took viewing figures and the amount of money that's uh, that, that that comes into the game here. William, just quickly from a, a Rangers fan's perspective, obviously there's there's not been too much news coming out of Rangers over the past couple of weeks. Is that something you're quite happy with? Just Rangers going about their, their business quietly. Yeah, yeah, Andrew. That, that that's that's exactly as as, as Jim says. It's Celtic. 25 points. What what a gap they've got to bridge there. They, Rangers are just everything's going smooth. They're going to they're going to uh, increase their team. You know what I mean? Celtic's got like, like 15, 15 players to, to buy or something. I mean Rangers are just going smoothly. You know what I mean? In the Champions League. You know what I mean? 
don't get me wrong, Rangers were, Rangers were poor in the two cups, right? There's, there's no doubt about that. But you don't get to the Champions League for winning the cups. You get into the Champions League for winning the league. And I'm, and I'm, it's going to take a miracle for Celtic. I might be through trying, but it's going to take a miracle for Celtic to win that league next year. William, do, you, do you think? I mean, I, I still think that Rangers need another centre forward. That's me personally. I think that Morelos, uh, you know, he's, he's playing a different role and he, he's, he's, he, he's evolved as a player. But I still think when he's not, I'm not quite sure at Italy yet. I'm not, you know, I, I think that Kemar Roof has played, but he's not played as a, you know, as a centre forward that much. Yeah, I mean, the, the right. fashion Sakala coming fashion in, Sakala 16 coming. goals in the Belgium top division last but season. I still, as I said, he's still, he's, you know, he's one of those ones, uh, you know, where you, you know, you hope that he does well, but. I just think that's a key, particularly in something like the Champions League when, you know, Rangers have been fantastic under Stephen Gerrard in Europe, but the Champions League is a whole different proposition and you just need that wee bit extra quality, I think, at the top end of the pitch. So, would you be happy getting in with the, with the squad as, as, at, the, at the moment, William? Yeah, you made a great point there, John McKay. See, came out roof, right? See if he never gets two injuries during that season. How many goals could he have scored? He was flying up to point he got... He got injured in the, the Europa League qualifier in Gibraltar. He was absolutely flying. And then he came back, he was flying again, and then got another injury. I think that man could have scored. He scored 17 goals or something, 16 goals. He could have had 30, Jim. You know I mean, he could have. I think, he's, I think he's a player to watch for next year. He's only going to progress and get better. You're right. Another striker would be lovely. But I don't. I think Morelos will be there for Champions League, Jim, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, listen, fine, but the only thing about Kemar Roof is if you look at his last three or four seasons, it's been a very similar situation mm-hmm. before he came to Rangers. That's part of the reason I think Stephen Gerrard even alluded to it when he signed him, that he's had a few injury problems. So he seems to be one of these boys. He needs a real good run. Yeah, terrific player, but he just doesn't. You know, the last three or four years, he's, he's been blighted by these kind of two or three-month injuries, and it's just that uh, he hasn't had a, a real run. But yeah, Morelos might be there. I'm not saying he won't be, but I just still think even with him there, you know, you need... Just that wee bit extra quality at the top, and that that to me, if you look at Rangers squad overall, it's superb. And Rangers have done their business early, but I just think that might be one area where they can still look at. Well, thank you to William 01419511025. Give us a call, and you could be up next. You are the voice of Scottish football. Call 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jim Duffy here with me, Andrew McLean, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Make sure to give us a call on 01419511025 if you've got anything on your mind. Jim, I know you're a, a big fan of the international mm-hmm. football. What did you make of the Scotland performance the other night? Yeah, I think like everyone, I think it was very impressed. I think particularly the way we started. Invariably, you know, when you play against teams, particularly you know a team like Holland, when you, you might expect them to dominate the ball, you tend to sit off them a little bit and we're a little bit cautious and a little bit apprehensive but that wasn't the case I mean right from the first whistle we're right after them closed them down you know tactically that they're not going to just boot the ball up the pitch they're going to try and play you know from the back so therefore good tactics to go and press them but it's not always something we've done so you know very impressed and I said a lot of good performances uh, unfortunately not to win the game um, but overall you know obviously with the, the players missing as well um, I think it, it gave, gave us a, a you know a really good uh, optimistic vibe and I think that's what we want listen we're Scotland we don't get guy do we but uh, you know we're, we're, we're like we play Luxembourg uh, on Sunday so you know that, that might be different but but overall um, yeah I think it shows that if everybody's up for it and, and, and everybody's buying into what Stevie Clark's asking then we can compete and I think that that was the case I suppose the, the encouragement on top of the performance is the mm-hmm. fact that you know we did it with I mean, there were mm-hmm. seven players out. Mm-hmm. John Fleck obviously testing mm-hmm. positive for coronavirus. Six left behind as a precaution. Mm-hmm. There was Scott McTominay who arrived late and only mm-hmm. 
had a place on the bench so he he wasn't involved at all so there's still a lot of these guys to to come back into yeah of course I mean I say the squad strength uh, is very impressive now you know and I think that I, I, I like the fact that he brought in David Turnbull Billy Gilmer and Nathan Patterson three young players with real potential real energy real enthusiasm desperate to be there desperate to do well as well and I think that that helps the, the senior players because they see these the talented younger players over their shoulder thinking they, they're pushing them they're wanting a start and they're good enough to play it's not as if they're not making up the numbers they are definitely good enough to play so yeah I think that that, that encourages the players ahead of them uh, in the pecking order to make sure that their standards are higher else you know they'll lose their place so yeah o- overall uh, uh, you know it's a lot a lot of room for uh, optimism going into the tournament Let's hear from the Scotland camp shall we Callum McGregor says all the players are enjoying having the weight of a nation behind them as the Euros draw ever closer There's nothing wrong with having confidence and, and belief in, in the group and you know the outside whether it be press or our supporters then obviously we want everyone to have that feel good factor and, and confidence behind the team but like you said it's been such a long time since we qualified you know we're, we've made that first step we've enjoyed it and we're enjoying working at this level so it's our job as players and and, and as a group with managers and, and coaches that we always try and improve and keep getting better so results like that are only going to help um, but like you say we just keep our feet in the ground we keep taking it one game at a time and like I say, we just try and improve every day. What do you call that? Cautious optimism? Is that what it is, Jim? Yeah, but a little bit of uh, belief as well. You know, I think, listen, we, we don't just want to, you know, we've qualified and that's it. You know, don't compete, don't try and qualify from the group. You know, we, we, we have to be as positive as we possibly can be. Listen, everybody keeps saying, ah, oh, England will do this and, you know, we're not good enough for that. And, you know, we're such a nation for, 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 for being negative. So why not, you know, be be positive and and, and Callum McGregor's not saying oh we're you know we're we're going to go and win the tournament or we're going to run over the top of teams. He's just basically saying there's a good atmosphere about the about the the team, um, real positivity. Uh, everyone's enjoying it. Um, you know, we understand that could change after the first game against the Czechs, but. I, I think that uh, we do have a chance of qualifying. I really do, and I think if we play um, to our maximum, I don't see, I don't see why we can't do that. So yeah, let, let let let's be positive. Why not? I'll put this question to you, Jim, but also to the people at home. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. If you want to get involved, obviously one more game left before the tournament. What do you want to see on Sunday? What is the most important thing that Steve Clark needs to do in that game on Sunday as we have our final preparations? Well, listen, I think the game's been picked to try and score a couple of goals and try and win the game. Yeah, listen, Stevie will say all the right things, I'm sure, leading up to the game. Total respect for Luxembourg. But listen, we should be beating Luxembourg and we should be scoring a couple of goals. So I think that's what it is. I think it's for building on the, the Holland performance, building on the Holland result. Um, obviously, game time for the boys, as you mentioned. Some of the boys that, that, that haven't played, the ones that didn't travel, the likes of Scott McTominay, etc. So again, I think he'll flip the squad and, and give as many people as he can um, some game time. But for me, it'll be about just uh, continuing that, you know, uh, as I said to you, that element of positivity. Get a good, positive result. Score a couple of goals. You know, maybe 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 Lyndon Dykes or, or Jay Adams getting a goal, and, and that just gives everybody encouragement before the, the Czech match a, a week on Monday. You'll have experienced that from a sort of playing and a managerial mm. perspective. That you know, 
when teams have that that confidence and they're in a good place, how how important is that? How much does that add going into a game? Yeah, well, you hear people mention the, the phrase momentum. You hear it all the time in in, in every sport, but uh, in football, momentum and confidence is definitely something because uh, really important. Because when you go into the games, you know, yeah, you know, you look, you know, you're not think scrapping for the result. You know that you're playing well. Um, you have that belief that you're playing well. You're looking at your squad. The manager's looking at the bench and think I've got really good options. The players know that as well. So it's it's just it's a, it's a real domino effect. Everything just knocks onto each other in a good sense. And you want that feeling to last as long as you possibly can. And there's certainly going to be no lack of motivation because every single player mm-hmm. that's on that pitch will know, you know what, I'm playing for mm-hmm. a chance to start in Scotland's first game at a major tournament for 23 years. Yeah, but also a chance to, you know, establish themselves as, as, a, as a competitive tournament side. You know, Scotland's not been in a tournament for such a long time, but you don't just want to make up the numbers. You want to be a team challenging in that tournament. Listen, Wales got to the semi-finals or, or, I don't know if it was the last tournament before that, but so it's not out with the realms of possibility that Scotland can do well. Well, we want to hear from you. 01419511025. Let's hear again from Callum McGregor though because uh, the midweek draw with Holland was his 60th game of the season for club and country. He's insisting he doesn't need rested though for Sunday's friendly. I'm happy to play. I feel good. Um, I've had a lot of good training in the sun as well and fitness levels feel good. So, um, you know, I kind of had that mini sort of 10 day break after the season finished. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to represent my country. I'm here to train hard every day. And be available if the manager selects me. Then you know I'm I'm ready to go, and and I've always been that way. I, I think with injuries, they can happen at any time, any training session, any game. Um, so you try not to worry about that as as players. You just go out there, you obviously protect yourself, but you know you have to give a hundred percent. Because if you don't give a hundred percent, then there's there's no point in you being out there. So um, I think the players are, are pretty much in the same mindset as myself, where you know you go for it for whatever time you're on the pitch. You give a hundred percent for the team, and then you know if you if you blow up or whatever, then there's there's another player ready to come in and help the teams. I don't think there was any way Callum McGregor was going to say, you know what? Nah, I think I'll I think I'll sit this one out on Sunday. Yeah, I think over the last few years he's been one of the players that's played most games and everyone in Europe. But uh, yeah, I think he will be rested. I think I would like to see Billy Gilmer, Scott McTominay, and John McGinn as that midfield three. Um, obviously, Billy came on for a you know a, a latter stage of the match, but McTominay and McGinn didn't play. So I would I would like to see those players. I think I think he will make wholesale changes. Um, probably at least seven, if, if not more, seven or eight players. Um, and, and and again, I don't think there's anything the matter with that. So I, I I think Callum will be rested. I know he doesn't maybe want to, but I think he's got to look at different different players and give them some game time and make sure that everyone's up to speed um, by the time the check game comes around. And that right wing back spot as well, of course, mm. Stephen O'Donnell and Nathan Patterson. Mm. Neither of them could have played during the week but mm. probably a good chance for them to, to maybe get a half each or just yeah. depending on, on what Steve Clark thinks of the two yeah again I would definitely like to see that either starting or you know as you say a half or an hour or something like that but again you know get, give those boys an opportunity to get get some some um, valuable time and, and play in the system that um, you know Steve Clark looks as if he's definitely going to stick with I mean I know he can be flexible and he may well flip it during the game sometimes but yeah I mean there's a number of players um, as we mentioned uh, Jay Adams as, as well and Ryan Fraser so I think I think there are players that uh, need some time uh, on the pitch and again 
no disrespect to Luxembourg, but we should dominate that game. So we should we shouldn't be having to chase back all the time. So the workload shouldn't be as perhaps as difficult as the Dutch game. Um, we should we should uh, we should be more on the front foot, and I think that should suit the way we play. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five on the phones. Mike is up next in shots. Mike, what do you want to see from the Scotland game on Sunday? Well, um, I'm not really a Scotland supporter. I'm an English supporter. I'm England. I'm from England. Um, but I have phoned up quite a number of times. But my point is that um, um, the team there that uh, Scotland put out against uh, Holland, uh, they're saying that it was a depleted side. And OK, there was there was players missing. But um, for the start, you had Gordon, Forrest, Cooper, uh, Tierney, Robertson, Turnbull, McGregor, Armstrong, Christie and Dykes. Nesbitt came on. Um, etc, etc so the team that they put out I think people are doing a disservice to um, you know the other um, you know or to them basically saying that it was a depleted side um, it's a half decent side that Scotland had out um, and can I also say there that uh, I mean, we'll take that point first, Mike. We'll, we'll, we'll take that and we'll come back to you because, I mean, I'm not sure anyone on this show specifically has said it's a depleted mm-hmm. side, but it maybe just says more about the, the strength and depth that Scotland have now because Mike's listed a lot of good players, mm-hmm. but then you've got Shea Adams, John McGinn, mm-hmm. David Marshall, Grant Hanley, Stephen O'Donnell, mm-hmm. Nathan Patterson, John Fleck, mm-hmm. Scott McTominay, who didn't play a lot of these guys people would put in their strongest starting 11 for Scotland. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you, you've got players... Hanley at Norwich now in the Premier League McGinn in the Premier League with Aston Villa Manchester United uh, Scott McTominay etc so um, yeah l- listen to uh, Shea Adams Southampton in the Premier League uh, so uh, I think I don't think it was you know people think uh, that's the played score but I think it's, as a phrase it's as used in the media uh, Mike and I think that they tend to do that because there was a number of players left behind so I don't think it was to be disrespectful to the players but I think it was more the squad was depleted by you know, the prevention of players going there through through COVID. Um, so I think it was more to do with just a phrase. But you're right, I think it's, it's also a backhanded compliment that uh, our squad is a, is a lot stronger than it probably has been for a number of years. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. Um, but, you know, it, uh, the quote that I made depleted was, was on the BBC website, basically. Yeah. And it's also been in the press as well. Yeah. Um, I think, I think um, they played okay, did Scotland? Mm-hmm. Um you know, and 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 there are got you know they have got other players to come back, but you uh, remember as well there that um, uh, Luxembourg had a friendly that night as well, mm-hmm. and they they lost one nothing to Norway, and Norway is a half decent side, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I mean, it could well be there that they play and line up a different format when they play Scotland, and Scotland could overrun them, and I believe they should overrun them, but um, at, at the end of the day. Football, it's a thin dividing line in football, and um, it's it's not just the um, the Luxembourg game. Hopefully, some of the Scottish uh, football players will um, get back uh, into the side, um, and, and hopefully, uh, Scotland England um, will not have any uh, further uh, disruption with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you, you know, it's, uh, my point. My point was that. It wasn't a depleted side, and apologies there if I give the impression there that it was super scoreboard. It says that. Um, no, no, so no I understand that. As, as we mentioned, uh, listen, it's a phrase because players are missing, so therefore there is it is depleted, but it doesn't mean it's weakened. Uh, and I think that's the, the thing that in the past we would have been severely weakened if we left those type of players out, but we, we weren't. Uh, again, Luxembourg will make it difficult. They will be organising difficult because that's the way they play. But we should be good enough to to win the game. I mean, listen. You, 
don't I mean the, the, the pressure's not on Scotland other than from within. Within the camp and as I said, the people think, yeah, we should we should be competing. I mean England played against Austria the night there and we you know had, had a few boos from their own supporters, even though they won the match, even though they were trying some different players and giving the likes of Godfrey and White and, and Jesse Lingard and all these kind of things, some 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 game time. But uh, as I said, I think that's the, the, the perhaps you know, one of the differences is that Scotland should get into this tournament a little bit more relaxed than perhaps England, because England have to be obviously final at Wembley, all these kind of things, a lot of the games at, at Wembley. Um, the, the, the pressure is, is definitely on England to, to, to turn up. Most people think if England are going to win another major tournament, this will be the one. So, I mean, from you, Mike, how do you think that the players will, will cope with that pressure? Well, going as far as England um, is concerned, I think the shining light against Austria was Grealish. I think he's a phenomenal player, or he's got the potential to be even better. Um, a lot of the players there that was playing for England against um, Austria, um, there was um, probably what you could call fringe players. I know they're in the 26, the same as uh, the Scottish players are in the 26, but there's some of them there um, probably won't start. Um, against um, who is it that played first? I think it's Croatia, isn't it? Croatia, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, Cody. Um, I mean, I'm not wanting to put anybody down or anything like that. But there's, there's players in there that will get a start before Cody. Um, I don't know if Bellingham will start. I, I would doubt he would start in the first game. But Grealish, um, I know he was he was um, kind of injured or, and, and they're kind of nursing him at the moment. But I think he's very, very hard to get off the ball and there's a lot comes from Grealish and I've watched him playing for Aston Villa and I think he has got the potential to be a, um, a really, really good player and it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up either at Manchester United or one of the London clubs um, after, after, after uh, uh, you know, the Euros. Well thank you to Mike I'll make sure to give you a call back When Scotland win at Wembley During the Euros <laughs> 01419511025 You could be up next 01419511025 This is Scottish football's league leader Clyde One Super Scoreboard Jim Duffy here with me Andrew McLean In the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard And our congratulations are in order for you Jim Because uh, stepping into a new job this week Going into Air United Yeah absolutely delighted um, Andrew obviously um, You know left in Barton at the end of the season You know obviously we, we managed to stay up Which was really important for the club And as I said a, you know, a great time there And I wish them every success with the new manager Stevie Farrell But for myself David Hopkin, the, the the manager of Air United, gave me a little call after uh, I left and just asked me who I was. And I said, fine, and what are you up to? No, nothing really. And then a couple of days later, I called me back and said, look, would you be interested in coming as part of the coaching team? So we had a, 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 a kind of a wee chat back and forward and I was absolutely delighted that, uh, you know, they invited me in and I've been doing the other day there, um, got it all concluded and I'm absolutely thrilled. I think a lot of people see, oh, you've been a manager and all that stuff, but listen, I just love football and I love being involved in football and uh, I still feel I, I, I've got something to, to offer. So I'm absolutely thrilled to go to United and win the championship and working with good people are going well with Davey. So I'm really looking forward to it and, and hopefully we can do well. We understand it's going to be tough. The championship's always extremely tough. But uh, as I said, for me, a new role has given me a bit of renewed energy and enthusiasm. And as I said, I can't wait to get started in pre-season in a couple of weeks' time. I wish you all the best. And just a reminder, I'm a free agent in case you're uh, looking for someone to warm the bench. Listen, if, we, if, we, if you can manage to score as 25 goals a season, you know, we'll have you in. I have no guarantees of that. <laughs> 0141951025. John is next up in Kings Park. John, what's on your mind tonight? 
Um, Jim, good luck with the job at Air United. I hope everyone goes, goes well for Thanks, you. John. Uh, hi, Andrew. Hi, uh, Jim. Hi, John. The, the thing I'd like to talk about is uh, Christopher Ayer. Um, uh, the, the whole Celtic team never played, you know, they never showed, but they could, you know, they never showed up last year, basically never showed up. But I'd like to point out, Jim, did you cover the first game that we played against Hamilton? You got that game. Oh, no, you're asking me. Um, Celtic won four nothing or five nothing. I can't remember exactly score, but seeing that game, Jim, yeah, we we could have lost four goals from corners. He had a big yeah. lad up front, powerful big lad mm-hmm. up front. He won every ball that came in that corner. Christopher mm-hmm. Ayer was marking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, I, he's he's not great in the air. I see Christopher Ayer, Jim. Mm-hmm. If you just let me think, that. yeah. Christopher Ayer would be a fantastic midfield player. See the Scott Brown role. I, we were hope, I was hoping he was going to stay. Move him into that role. Move him into that role because I cannot remember a time when a corner came in and Christopher Ayer attacked. You know the way centre halves attack about getting there. I can't remember scoring a goal like that. And I can't remember defending. I mean, the amount of goals we lost last year from set plays was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, the guy six foot seven. I don't think he's that great in the air, but I think he's a great player. I think he's a great midfield player, and I think that's where he should have been. But you know, I'd love to have seen him play. Jim Sebier coming out, and another thing I'd like to see about see a left side of central defenders. So last time Celtic the left side of central defender, which they went and got that boy McKenna from Aberdeen instead of letting them go to Norris and play with a three at the back. I could have done on one side, Julian in the middle, and McKenna. Uh, but Christopher coming out with the ball, coming up in that left channel, always had to go right, mm-hmm. always had to go right, never comfortable going up the left side. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he'd a great season as being a central defender. He's a good player. And, you know, that's a point I'd like to, 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 to make. Like, you know, but the amount of goals we lost him from set plays was unbelievable. And, you know, he's got to be the man who's, you know, takes the, the I mean, the big lad for me has scored two goals and I think it was Shane Duffy maybe man up no, no, I'm only take the guy who's the best centre, who's their best attacker at the ball in the, in the air and I'm only mark him we never seem to do that yeah, no. Listen, John, I, I I definitely agree with you in terms of set plays and uh, you know maybe going and attacking the ball and him that aggression uh, and both boxes. You know, as you as you mentioned, defensively first and foremost because that's that's your primary job, but also in the attacking sense, he didn't really um, you know threaten. Even over the last few years, he, he scored the odd one or two, but not not anywhere near um, the amount that perhaps a player of his physical presence should do. But the game has changed in, in modern defenders there's not that many dominant centre-backs that go Celtic brought Shane Duffy to do that it didn't quite work out but the one thing I will defend um, Christopher Ayer was is I think you need partnerships you know, whether it's in a two whether it's in a three and he's played with so many different centre-backs over the last two or three seasons uh, I, I, would, I would lose count to be honest with the amount of players he played with but he is a modern day defender He's quick he, he can anticipate He breaks forward with the ball Yeah he's definitely better On the right hand side I agree with you Or central But um, I think he could go and play For an Everton A Southampton A Crystal Palace A, a Leicester City I really do I think the way they play Building from the back Breaking forward as you say um, Yeah I, I still think um, He's good enough To play at that level But yeah, he does. If he, if he, one of his weaknesses is yeah, just going up tight against people and going and being aggressive. But as I said, I think that's a relatively common thing. I don't think there's too many towering defenders. That's the reason why a lot of them go zonal because they don't like that physical man-to-man marking. So they go zonal and they go and attack the ball. Um, you know, but as I said, it's, I mean, there, there, are, there are different styles of defenders, and, and and I do think he will be suited to playing in certain teams, uh, and and. 
probably particularly maybe Spain or Germany, he might even be more suited um, anticipating the ball and breaking forward. And and one point he did make, as we mentioned at the start, he did start off his career as a midfielder and he probably has the potential to do that. But I think at the moment he sees himself and I think other teams will see him as a centre-back. Final point to you, John. Jim, Jim, the last few games there, you know, I mean, you've seen him strolling up, coming out of midfield and coming mm-hmm. up, and he's very comfortable with the ball mm-hmm. coming up, you know what I mean? But he's definitely, definitely right sided. Mm-hmm. I mean, to play him in, for us to be playing from left side the whole season, I mean, it, was, it was unbelievable that we'd not. When is the last time we had a left side, the central defender, that yeah. was comfortable going up? You know, I mean, the likes of when we had uh, Tierney there at left, at the left back. See, by the time we get the ball dispatched to him because somebody's fumbling about trying to pass you know, with a right foot, mm-hmm. take a be on left foot, dispatch it up, take Tierney, could, could be away, but at two ages, we've just never, I mean, why do you think that's happened to him that we've never had a... Yeah, there's not, there's not that many of them around, you know, natural left-footed defenders. But listen, Van Dyke was here, and Van Dyke played in the left, plays in the left for, for, for Liverpool and, and, and comes inside and pings 60-yard diagonals with his right foot. Again, it, I know Hollanders at Rangers, but, and McKenna, as you mentioned, was one, but they're not as common. And, and I think that's the thing, you know, they're few and far between at a certain level. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's a big thing to be right-footed and play there, I have to be honest with you. But I think that... A partnership's more important And also a goalkeeper behind you Celtic under Fraser Foster When he had a solid partnership Looked a much more solid unit Well thank you to John Thank you to Jim Duffy In the studio as well Thank you for all your calls tonight Make sure to join us On Monday night We're back to the two hour shows Gordon Duncan is back With all the pundits As we build up to Euro 2020 Of course Luxembourg take on Scotland on Sunday we'll have all the reaction to that as well as we build up to Scotland against the Czech Republic on the 14th of June then it's England then it's Croatia I can't wait I'm sure you are the same and don't go anywhere tonight because it's George Bowie's birthday and he is up next with the GBX